This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I'd like for you to take your Bibles, if you will, this morning and turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm preaching three sermons on the goals of our mission. And so this morning, I'm speaking on this subject, equipping the saints of God. And we're going to be talking about that as we incorporate this theme in the mission statement of Buford Road Baptist Church. I don't know how many years you have been walking down the hallways of this church, coming in the doors of the lobby, and not know what our mission statement is. I hope that you would learn this and hide it in your heart, not as inspiration of the Word of God, and I'm not saying that our mission statement takes place of any scripture in the Word, but I would encourage you to be a Bible student and learn what the mission statement is. I think if we become aware of it, it could have a radical impact on our life. And so this morning, I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to call your attention to verse number 11. And he gave some apostles, which by the way, let me say this, there are no living apostles today. And I don't care how many storefronts you pass downtown, you're not going to find in the scriptures where there are living, by the way, one of the qualifications of being an apostle was to see the resurrected Lord. Now, I believe there were apostles, but there are no apostles today. But thank God we have the message, we have the written word of God, which they declared. And we're going to see in just a moment that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And so he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, the reason why God gave the church these individuals is found in verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints, and that means the equipping of the saints. Keep in mind this, that there is not one part of your salvation that will work you into perfection. There's not a perfected living human being on this planet. Oh, but I'll tell you what, that will change. The Bible says that when he comes and every eye will see him and we shall be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. Listen, I don't know what he is, but what the word says that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So whatever he is, we shall be also. Look at this, for the perfecting of the saints, for the, and here, look, let's get real, church. Why? For the work of the ministry. That's why we preach these sermons, serving together, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Do you know what that word edifying means? It means lifting up. It means to be encouraged, 
to be motivated, to be fed, to be stirred, to be roused, to be challenged together, corporately together. Now look at this. For the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, when we see him, we will be perfected in his righteousness, not our own, but his. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind and doctrine. And that will happen to anybody who professes to be a Christian if you're not in the Word you can turn on your television, you can turn on the radio, you can get a magazine subscription, and you can find this man of faith and this word of so-and-so, and you can get all this stuff and be tossed to and fro. If you're not in the word, you can be pulled aside with all kinds of nonsense and religious superstitions and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunningness, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, look at that, grow up into all things which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together. God has put us all together here in this local church and he has equipped us with various aspects of ministry. We cannot all do the same things, but we can all serve together. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I want to remind you that in these particular sermons, we're speaking about what we are as a church, the things that are important to us, the things that are necessary for us, why we do what we do and how we do what we do. And I really think that if we understood all of that, it might have an effect on our worship. It might have an effect on our attendance. It might have an effect on how we serve the Lord together. It might have an effect on our Christianity, whether or not we'll be casual Christians or radical Christians. Because I believe we're either one or the other. We're either casual or we're radical. A lot of soul searching today. Where do you line up in that? Every church ought to have reasons for why it exists. If you have not been observant to this already, there are church houses on every street corner in our town. I mean, if you start right up here, you can, at Melothian Turnpike, you can find 
uh, all of these storefront churches, and you can go all the way down to this Roman Catholic church. You can come down to this Baptist church. You can come down to whatever they are, and then you can go down over here to the Muslim church. You can find an Episcopalian church. You can find a Lutheran church. You can find a Methodist church. Every street, listen, on just our street, they're from Midlothian Turnpike all the way down to Huguenot Road. I want you to think about this, though. Why are they there? Gail and I just got back from Gatlinburg. It'll be a long time before we go back. <laughs> you say Gatlinburg's a beautiful place. All oh, the Smoky Mountains, the chill in the air, Dollywood. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You got to have an extra pack of BC powders, Excedrin. I mean, cars were bumper to bumper. I said to her, why are we here? <laughs> but let me tell you the truth of the matter. Within three blocks of that panoramic view, there were at least six Baptist churches. Six. And I ask myself the question, why are they there? What are six Baptist churches doing within the radius of three country road blocks? You think about that just for a moment. I want to tell you again why we are here. Why is Buford Road Baptist Church in the midst of all of these other churches? Why are we here? Why do we exist? It starts with our mission statement, and it states why we're here. And if you look at your bulletin today, it gives you the mission statement of our church. And I pray that you learn it, you memorize this, our mission statement. We exist to be a people a people of God, look at this, who enjoy the glory of God, who equip the people of God, and who extend the love of God. Now, there are multiple sermons within that paragraph, but that's why we exist. And let me remind you of something. We're not just... And I hope you get this, and I hope those of you that are watching, some of you watch faithfully by Internet. I've never met you before. I hope I get the pleasure, the privilege to do that. We invite you to come. Come and see and taste that the Lord is good. But let me remind you of something. We're not just a group of people. We're not just a mob who wanders in on Sundays and Wednesdays. But we are a people not just a group of people, we are a people and we are united together. We are working together and we are growing together for a purpose. And so this is going to be a soul-searching message. I want you to take some spiritual inventory and I don't want you to leave the same way you came. Let me ask you a question. Do you consider yourself growing in your walk with the Lord? Growing. Now think about that. Ask yourself the question.
And I want you to see what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to call your attention to verse 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Paul said, there's no way that I can talk to you as spiritual people, even though he had been preaching to them for quite some time. He says, but I have to speak to you as carnal people. Now, you don't have to be very deep in the word to know what spiritual means and what carnal means. Paul says, but I come to you as carnal. He said, even as babes in Christ. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. But this is the most significant part of it, the most concerning part of it, he said, neither yet out of all the time that I have preached the word, I have, I have prayed over the word, I've given you the word, I've fed you the word. He said, out of all the time that I gave you the word, he said, listen, you weren't ready to receive the meat then. And the, and the sad thing is, he said, and you're not able. He didn't say ready. He said, you're not able to receive it now, yet now are you able. So look at this. That's after a period of some time. And what we are able to glean here from the Apostle Paul in the life of these early believers is that they were not growing in their walk with Christ. Even with a teacher like the Apostle Paul, and so he is basically saying that as he is addressing that congregation, he is saying that many of you should be way beyond the infant stage in your spiritual life. But after all this time, you are still remaining as a babe in the faith. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 2. He says, as newborn babes did the desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow thereby. That comes after a hunger and thirst of righteousness. You see, many were malnutritious in the word then. And I will tell you with great regret that I believe in this modern age that we live today that there are still multitudes of people who call themselves Christians who are extremely anorexic. They are extremely malnourished in the word today. Now, the admonishment that God has set before us as believers is that all of us, every single one of us, young and old, all of us should be maturing in our faith all along the way. Uh, by the way, I still consider myself to be growing. At this point in my life, God forbid, I could not at this point in my life, God, I think, would rebuke me in a chastising way. I could not at this point in my life sit on a spiritual bird's nest with my mouth open expecting somebody to drop the word 
or the worm in my mouth. God expects way too much more of me than to just sit there with my mouth open wanting somebody to drop the word in. God expects much more of me than that. Out of all the miles and out of all the years and out of all the time and out of all the sermons and out of all the faith, God expects me, listen, not to be sitting there waiting for somebody to drop the word in my mouth, but he's waiting for me to drop the word in somebody else's mouth. Now you think about this. God has instructed the church to be one of the vehicles that equips the people of God to serve together. Now, unless you just recently got saved, none of us ought to be living as infant Christians. And so if you're willing to do some soul searching today and you're willing to sing, pass me not, O gentle Savior, are you willing to sing, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer? If you're willing to do some soul searching, then ask yourself exactly what does your spiritual life reveal where you are right now with the Lord? We have to embrace the fact that there is a reason. There is a reason why Buford Road Baptist Church exists. Number one, Obviously, the church exists to preach the gospel. In Mark chapter 16, verse number 15, the word says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God is depending upon not the fact that he is in loss of, but God is expecting you and I to reveal Jesus to this lost world. And think about it. God is the God of omnipotence. That means he's all-powerful. God can do anything. The Scriptures teaches us that with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. So God, if he had wanted to, he could have ordained the gospel, the good news of his word. He could have said this to the snow-covered mountains he could have said, I ordain you that when I send the sun out and it begins to set on the snow-covered tops of your mountain and it flows down the mountain and the waters go into a mountain stream or flows into a river or flows into the ocean, I command you, I ordain you to echo the gospel of the good news. He could have said to the songbird, I command you that when you fly through the air that you chirp the words Jesus saves. He could have said to the wind that blows through the trees, I ordain you and I command you that when you begin to sway back and forth that your leaves give out the sound of the gospel. But God did not choose to use snow-covered mountains. He didn't choose to use the, use the birds or the wind. God chose to use you and me to get the gospel out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3, the word says this, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In 2019, I preached a series entitled, Who's Your One? Some of you still remember that series. And there were two things that I hoped for, I prayed for in that entire sermon message. And that is for your one. Who's your one? Who is the one that you have been praying for to be saved? Who is the one that you've been praying for, for God's almighty hand, for the grace of God to radically turn that person around? Because here's the thing. Since 2019, either you have won that individual and you are now focused on another, or you're still praying for the one. But one thing should be settled, one thing should be for sure, and that is this, that either way, you've not given up on them. Don't ever distance yourself from the gospel. Never underestimate it. Never be ashamed of it. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I love the old song that says, Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Last Sunday in the celebration of our pastoral anniversary, Gail and I was sitting at the table and one of our new members walked up to me and said this. It blessed me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. She said to me, Pastor, I have an opportunity to be a witness in this upcoming week. Is there any way that I could get a laminated copy of the sinner's prayer that you talk about so much that you've asked us to use and the prayer on the back side of it. And I had happened to have my Bible right there on the table. And so I pulled out mine and I said, here, you take mine, use it. And it's the simple plan of salvation on the reverse side of it. It's the sinner's prayer. Some of you have used it numerous times. Murdy, if a one, you led your, you've led, you've led two to the Lord through the, and, and I encourage you, that bless me, I could not, I took it out of my Bible and gave it to her. And so this church, listen, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be an awesome thing if the telephone started ringing off the hook next week in our church office? And say, you know, Pastor, I've lost my card. I lost that laminated gospel presentation and, and the sinner's prayer, and I gave it to somebody who gave it to somebody, and I'm out of it. Could you make me another one? Then on Tuesday, we get another call. Wednesday, we get another call. Wouldn't it be amazing if this church got turned upside down for preaching the gospel? We exist to do that. Man. Are you going to heaven without witnessing to one, leading one to Christ?
This is why we're here. Number two, the church exists to equip, equip the people of God for the work of God. Ephesians 4, 12, let's look at it again. Verse number 12 through 16, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunningness, craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. Listen, if we're not careful, we could somehow invest in the idea that equipping the saints is strictly designed for only what we perceive to be professional Christians. You say, well, what is a professional Christian? Well, it's what many people believe exists. For example, you'd be surprised how many people, and there might be even some sitting in the pew today or watching by internet or believe this all over the world that the only people that are responsible to sow the seed is pastors, staff, missionaries, or evangelists. And for somehow, people categorize that into the realm of being professional Christians. Let somebody, prof let somebody that really knows what they're talking about get involved in that. By the way, there is no such thing as a professional Christian. And, and we need to get that. We need to let that burn into our hearts. If we think so, then we are falling short of the ministry. Now, I'm going to make a confession to you this morning. There was a time in my young ministry when I believed that if I ever wanted anything to be done right, that I would have to do it myself. And... and I'm 64 years old now. It doesn't matter to me what you think of that. It's the truth. Some people still hold on to that philosophy. I remember when I was extremely hesitant to delegate. There was a season in my life I first started in the ministry. I, I just, I just, it just cringed me to delegate. But after a period of time, I became weary and exhausted with that. I realized that me, myself, and I, I did not have all of the time that was necessary to do it all by myself. And I realized that one man could not do the job. But then Jethro, I didn't say Jethro, Jethro, the father-in-law to Moses, taught me a great spiritual lesson of life. And this is what he taught me. In fact, he gave me the same advice he gave Moses. In Exodus chapter 18, verse number 13, 
And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing thou doest is not good. And Jethro gave me the same advice that he gave his son-in-law. He said, Listen, Pastor Tony, what you're doing is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice, and I'll give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them in the way wherein they must walk in the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge, so it be easier for thyself, pastor, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure. And all this people shall go also to their place in peace. And so Pastor Tony hearkened to the voice of the father-in-law of Moses, father-in-law, and he did all that he said. The Lord showed me that through the wisdom of Jethro, how much stress that I could personally toss by including others to help. And then the Lord rolled back the veil and showed me the ones that I could depend on, greatly depend on, who would be faithful to shine as the sun and the moon. I've said this many times, many, many times. Now, I, I could go through a list this morning, but for the sake of time, I cannot do it. But I will tell you this. I'm so thankful for the many that God has sent into our ministry that I don't have to question. I don't have to go back and check. I don't have, and one particular family, Ray and Phyllis Condry, I, let me tell you this, I have never, ever, ever given either one of them a job to do where I had to lay in the bed at night and wonder what was going to happen. I could sit here and give you one name after another. Now, I enjoy helping others find their spot and doing all that I can to equip them, all that I can to help them. And so it's not my ministry, and it's taken me all these years to get it, but it's not my ministry to do everything. But it is my ministry to equip the saints of God and to help build up the body of Christ. And I pray, listen carefully. I mean this with every fiber of my soul. I, I don't know. I'm getting ready to turn 65 in two months. And 
I have, I have noticed that every time I go to the mailbox, somebody's sending me something about Medicare. I mean, every time I turn around, they're signing me up for plan A, B, C, D, E, everything about it. And that's no joke. I mean, it's true. They're sending her the same junk. But this is the God's honest truth. As long as there is a sound brainwave in my head, and I'm not on life support, and I can think, listen, as long as I possibly can, I don't care how old I get. Now, I feel this way right now. I, I, I don't care if I get to the place where I am moving as slow as a turtle, where I smell like I've been baptized in Ben Gay, preparation H and WD-40. I don't care. I'm going to crawl in this house if I have to. Somebody say amen. All of us should be the link in the chain. With this. I'm talking about to win a soul, to disciple somebody. I'm so thankful for Brother Brian Pollard who has surrendered. We've got some others praying, but the growth tracks. Because Sunday school is, small groups are teaching growth tracks right now. But just as soon as this does settle, he, he's going he's to be the leader of this particular aspect and we hope we have others to come in as well to help and rotate. But I will tell you this, discipling somebody to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, because I, th I think where we have missed the mark is that for far too long, we're just like birds in the nest, waiting for the worm, waiting for the word. But listen, God has an ordained it to be that way. Our church experience ought not to be confined to something like we have checked off of our duty list for the week by simply coming in. It requires all of us to serve together in our hearts with hands. This is why I preach that series. Number three, quickly look at it on your bulletin today. Not only are we assigned to equip the saints for the work of God, but also, this is important, Oh, church, get this point. But to equip them with the knowledge of God. Ephesians 4.13, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And Philippians 3.10, Paul said this, that I may know him, know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And we know him by studying him. The word says, study to show thyself approved unto God, 2 Timothy 2.15, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And Matthew 11.29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, Jesus said, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now, I want you to understand something. Listen carefully to this. Every believer ought to get this. A failure to keep a pure knowledge of God in our heart will ultimately lead to apostasy. 
This is why there are so many apostates and heretics walking around under the umbrella of religion. Romans 1, let me show you what happens when people stop knowing God, when they stop learning of God, when they stop studying the word. This is what happens in Romans 1. Look at verse 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And if it doesn't sound like what's happening today, you need to get back in the word. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. But listen, you're being fed, dismissed every day you turn around. Listen, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Somebody say amen. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. Even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. You're seeing it happen all over the world today. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another. God help us! Men with men working that which is unseemly. You can stop laughing now. I get it. Okay, receiving in themselves, look at this, that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like, oh, listen, do you think the devil likes this? Let me ask you a question. Do you think the devil likes this kind of preaching? But I ask you a question. Is this in the word? Is it there? Even as they did not, I'm not reading out of the good news from modern man. This is the King James. And even as they did not like to retain God, look at, look in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. So listen carefully. Having a correct knowledge of God's word helps us to do what we were talking about in the very beginning. And I want our musicians to come forward. Listen now, it helps us to grow and mature in the faith. This book has up-to-date expertise for the situation that comes our way in the troubled times that we live. And let me ask you a question. How much of this book do you consider to be profitable to you on a personable level? Some of it? Most of it? All of it. Sometimes I think we become pretty good at omitting the hard and accountable sayings of Scripture when we're nudging a little bit closer to serving together, when we become a little bit closer of accountability. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, no matter how we want to slice the bread, look, it says, and it's still in the Bible, all Scripture, all Scripture, not some of it, most of it, but it says 
all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that furnished means equipped. It means all. And listen, I think one of the reasons why we get so beat up as born-again believers, I mean, we sing the song, my anchor holds and grips a solid rock. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips a solid We can stand and sing songs like that. We, we can sing songs and oh, how I love Jesus. Trust and obey, there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus is to trust. Look, we can stand and sing those songs from daylight to dark. But I think one of the reasons that we get so beat up as believers is because we simply do not know enough about God's word and the victory that it provides to the point where we can point it right back in the devil's face and say, listen, you have been defeated because here's what happens. Uh, we get ourselves, we can sing all the songs. We can come in here, fill out all the envelopes. We can do all the right things, obey all the rules, whatever it is you want to do. You can do all of that stuff. But what happens is when your life gets under such a heavy load and you get so weighed down and pulled down and you're struggling and you're hurting, you don't know enough about God's word to go to the rock and taste the honey that is in the word and you get so rattled and dazzled with all of these things and the devil's laughing at you and saying look what you're doing you're just crumbling where's your faith where is your God listen if you get in the word and you know him and the power of his resurrection you can point right back in the devil's face when he comes to you and says listen Jesus defeated you in the wilderness he defeated you on the cross and now in Jesus Jesus' name through the blood, I defeat you right now. Oh. Listen carefully. This book will help you to know what is right and wrong. I'm about ready to preach myself in a suicide. First John 4 1. Beloved. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets are gone out in the world. The scripture needs to be more to you than giant print on the screen. For the word of God is quick, Hebrews 4.12, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word will equip you to fight the devil. It will help you to overcome sin and its temptations. It will help you to protect your family. It will help you to fortify your relationships. It will help you to fight a good fight. It will help you to run a good race. It will help you to finish your course with joy. Lastly, when we equip the saints... We will engage with the saints. I'm going to tell you what I mean. Because you see, there's something we can all do. So many, you, you'd be surprised. People tell me all the time, I wish I was young. If I was young, there's so much I could do for the Lord. But preacher, I got all this stuff. And, and it just keeps me from doing what I want to do. But listen. I'm going to ease your pain. I'm going, to, I'm going to simplify this for you. I'm going to tell you what you can do. 
Because there's something we all can do. It doesn't require muscle. It really doesn't require a lot of sense. Sometimes we, we leave these services like somebody had just pulled a fire alarm. In Acts 2.42, the Bible says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had things in common, all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. The results, listen, that did not happen because they had a spectacular small group program. This is how it happened. It happened by engaging people with people. And the question is, are you engaged? Ask yourself this question. And I promise you I'm through. What can you do? Pastor, my age and my pain and my troubles and struggles, what can I do? What could I possibly do? Let me ask you a question. Are there, are there 10 people in this church that you do not know their names? Ten people that you've never spoken to because they've never spoken to you. Well, Pastor, I, I don't know them. Well, please don't forget this. Every person in this church house represents a soul for whom which Christ died. And every person in this church is a link in the chain of why we're here. That makes us all have something in common. All of us, I would like to think, are here today because the Holy Spirit of God led us here. That gives us something in common. All of us here today have needs. That makes us all have something in common. All of us here today, we long to be loved. That makes us all have something in common. And in John 13, verse 34, the word says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. So here's the thing. Again, it doesn't take a lot of muscle. It doesn't take a lot of money. It certainly doesn't take a lot of sins. Every one of us, if there are 10 people in this church, you don't, you, you see them every Sunday. You don't know their names. You take a minute, walk up to somebody before you leave this church and say, thank you for being here today. By the way, my name. And, and what's your name? God bless you, friend. Or, or do the Joe Biden thing. But if there's somebody 
you don't know. Remember this. We are here for one reason. We come together in the unity of the faith and we are to preach Jesus crucified, risen, and coming again and to serve him with every fiber of our soul until he comes. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.